It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Smith rifles that one to Mims. And that's a foot race. He's going to win. Touchdown, Baylor. Denzel Mims with another monster score of 70 yards. Five straight games, Anthony, where he's got a touchdown catch of over 20. That's to the middle of that line, and it's a touchdown. Big return for Crowder, 85 yards. Donald escapes, trying to buy himself some time. Fires, end zone, it's caught. Incredible play by Donald. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. You know and that's <laughs> the Q-inator. Oh my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the TOJ Digital Studio, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And it's time to talk about day number six of New York Jets training camp with the owner, the operator, the lead reporter, the whole shebang over at JetsInsider.com. And of course, above all of that, a very big deal, Mr. Chris Nimbley. Chris, before we get into anything else, I think we should talk about a gentleman by the name of Marcus May. Turns out, this guy is actually pretty good. Now, he hasn't gotten the type of attention that his old running mate Jamal Adams did, and you can understand why, since for whatever anybody wants to say about Adams now because of the way he left town, if he keeps this up, he's probably going to the Hall of Fame someday, but Marcus May has had himself an outstanding camp, and he continued it today. Yeah, I want to just welcome everybody else to the Marcus May Appreciation Club um, <laughs> because I've, I've been here, uh, a founding member uh, his rookie year. And yeah, he's, he, you know, he's not Jamal. He was definitely overshadowed by Jamal. But I, I've, for so long, I've heard people talking about him and not good. This not, And I, you know, Marcus May is a good safety. Marcus May is a good safety. And He's had a phenomenal training camp. Um, today wasn't his best day at camp. It was just a, a, a really good day. But he's had better days at camp. And then everybody was talking about him. And I was like, hey, welcome, everybody. Uh, like, he's, he, this is, he's been here this whole time. Um, and now, you know, him having to do this, uh, the single eye stuff when Jamal was here, that's a much tougher job, at, uh, at least with the, the range. If, if you just slightly lean the wrong way for a half a second as a single high free safety, that can throw off the whole play. Um, you have a, a little more wiggle room to work with when you're working closer in the box and way, uh, ways to make up uh, ground. Uh, he, he is a really good safety. He's, he's not going to be Jamal, um, obviously, but he's a really good safety, and he's showing it. And he's playing. They've been doing some too deep stuff. Uh, they've been, you know, earlier he's a lot of uh, box, but he's playing all over the place and he's covering uh, slot receivers, he's covering tight ends. He's making plays behind the line of scrimmage against the run. He's all over the field. And uh, you can, I, I talked to the other day about him uh, taking teammates over on the sideline, coaching them through stuff, showing stuff. He's really got a full grasp of his role, what he's supposed to do. And it's good to see everybody else is starting to catch up. I I try to temper some of my Marcus May praise because 
I have been open about how I feel as a player. And I also am a little biased because I do really like him as a person. So I try not to get too carried away, but it's nice to see other people coming around and uh, trying to join my club with me. Marcus May was not the only player in the defense who had a really nice day today. In fact, the defense dominated like the old days, but let's get to individual performances before we focus on groups and such. And one individual who we've heard about over and over again during training camp who had another great day today was Quinnen Williams. Yeah, man, Quinnen, he got this this whole day started. Uh, One of the first plays of the day, a simple handoff to Frank Gore. I don't even know if Frank Gore was finished planting his foot by the time that Quinnen drove his shoulder into his chest and dropped him for a two-yard loss. Like, that ball was in Gore's hand, I, I, like, and Quinnen was right there. He split McGovern and Alex Lewis. Maybe that slim f- uh, frame helped him slip through a hole a little bit better. But he just burst off the line, slipped right through them, and just drove Gore right to the ground before he had a chance to do anything. And that just set the tempo for the rest of the day. Because it's not like the defense did dominate, and like I said, we'll get to it later, but it was it was the offensive line that was the problem. And a big problem for the offensive line was Quinnen Williams because he has been disruptive. And obviously that's what you want to see, uh, but – that's what I expected to see, and that and that's exactly what we're getting right now. It bodes well for the future. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Chris, at JetsInsider.com, you have your takeaways every day after camp. And one of them today made me laugh. It just said offensive line equals not good. And this goes back to what you said about Quinn and Williams, where the guys on the defense dominated the guys on the offense. I want to get to how poorly the offensive line looked today compared to the defense. It sort of reminds me of the late, great Ed Ingalls, who was near and dear to my heart. He, of course, was the announcer on the radio when the Jets won Super Bowl three. And he's somebody that had an impact on my life. And I remember sometimes when he would go over your work with you, he would say something to you along the lines of, okay, good, 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 but not good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, it was bad. Uh, they were getting beat left and right. And Quinnen was definitely doing a lot of it, uh, and, but that's that's understandable. I, but everybody was getting in on the party. Uh, um, it was just a rotating door. They couldn't run the ball anywhere. There was no running lanes Uh there was it seemed like every time a snap was taken the quarterback was getting flushed out of the pocket i mean sam darnold had the the longest play of the day of the day when he scrambled for about 30 yards because he got flushed out of the pocket and he just had to take off running down the sidelines um it it was not great and it was just a reminder that this offensive line really hasn't upgraded it's changed like there's four new starters, so it's different. But how much is upgraded? Because Connor McGovern's an upgrade. 
Makai Becton, I feel confident, will be an upgrade, a consistent upgrade right away. We still have to wait and see uh, rookie, you know, rookie stuff. But <clears throat> the consistency is what I'm worried about still. Like, he gets to the second level, he's going to do damage out there. He's going to still have some struggles on the line. And as as up and down as Beecham was, he was a veteran. So, like – that can kind of balance itself out a little bit. So the only one we know is an upgrade is McGovern, and they might have even taken a step back at the other spots, like Greg Van Rotten. They stay still with Alex Lewis, <laughs> George Fant. Like that, they didn't upgrade yet. Like they really haven't. So I know people are thinking like this is going to be some huge turnaround from them, and. One or two players on the offensive line uh, up being upgraded can make a huge difference, but they they got a long way to go, and you know they're still they're still only working together for a handful of practices, so they still have to work on the chemistry. It's not like it's impossible that they'll improve uh, before the season or even you know a couple games into the season. The line could certainly get better. I would expect it to improve and get better. But it was an alarming sign that, oh, yeah, we we act like there's been more upgrades to this line than there really has been. It wasn't just the offensive line that was struggling today, Chris. It was a tale of good news, bad news here, because the good news is it appears Chris Herndon and Jamison Crowder had a pretty solid practice. The bad news is most of the rest of these guys didn't get much in the way of separation. The good news is we saw the cornerbacks play fairly well, but the bad news is that if these guys can't get separation against Arthur Millette, Bless Austin and Nate Hairston. I don't think it speaks very well to their ability to get separation against much better corners on other teams. That is that is all correct. I will uh, shoot them a little bit of bail on saying it's harder to get separation when the offensive line is not uh, blocking long enough for you to get separation. So that that plays a factor into it as well. But yeah, I mean, listen, yeah, I'm. I'm not the one that's going to be sitting here talking about how great this receiver core is either. Um, uh, That is something that I have been talking about since before last season even ended about the need to upgrade there. And I don't know that they've done that either. Like uh, that could, uh, especially with Mims not even practicing yet, that could be a downgrade already this year. So that that's alarming too and that is obvious as well and it's it's something that was obvious and should have been fixed like the just signing Perriman and drafting Mims wasn't enough and we knew it wasn't going to be enough beforehand and we knew it's not enough now one thing that I thought was interesting here is that Chris Hogan, who had his first touchdown in a Jets practice, was back returning some punts along with Jamison Crowder and Braxton Berrios. Now, Jamison Crowder is somebody you wouldn't expect to return punts in the regular season, but he really was a very effective returner in Washington. So you have to wonder if they're at least going to toy with the idea of using him there every once in a while, sort of the way that you recall Antonio Cromartie was used in a blue moon when they really needed a big spark back when the Jets had him at cornerback. Yeah, this is just one of these training camp things right now where they're trying different things, different people, giving them shots. But yeah, I'm, it makes sense. I'm for it. Um, 
I probably would try to stay away from making him the full-time punt returner. But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll also see how everything shakes out with this offensive line and with the receivers because they might need to go to that more often. They might need that spark if they need, uh, if they need to do something like that. Uh, but, yeah, he was effective in Washington. He's got the ability if you don't have anybody else. You know, I've, I've always been a fan of the, uh, you know, I, I was a big fan of using Jim Leonard in that spot. Just go ahead, just catch the ball, secure the ball, because the chances of breaking one are slim. And with the way that they go, uh, you get holding penalties and the blocks in the backs. There's so many things that can go wrong that back you up even further. So I, I, I tend to be most times just, just make sure you secure the catch and that's it. Um, but it depends on your team. It, tends, it depends on the situation, the moment in the game. And it, it, Crowder is somebody who has ability to make something happen there. So I'd be all for that. Uh, but yeah, like I said, I, I, I think you won't see him as the full-time guy there. But I wouldn't be surprised at all if you see him uh, them break him out every once in a while. Speaking of special teams, this will not be a surprise to anybody who watched Sam Ficken last year or has taken a look at Brett Maher's numbers, but they've got some kicking problems here. Yeah, once again, once again, once again. Uh, this feels like very much like last year. Um, you know, I was talking to Dennis Wozniak, and he, he, I don't think the kicker's on this team right now, he said, and I – Yep. I I can't argue with him right now. Um I I don't see it. It just it just hasn't been good and when you're struggling in practice, um that doesn't bode well. And then you know, we know their history too. That doesn't bode well either. Um this you really need to get out of this habit of not having a kicker at all. Like you don't need to go spend crazy money and you don't necessarily need to have the best kicker, but you need to have a kicker. You can trust. You can't be going into seasons where you're getting rid of kicker after every week because they missed a uh, big kicks. Like at some, at a certain point you need to address this. Chris, one area where they needed to address a weakness was trash talking because Jamal Adams was traded, and so now, as you mentioned a couple of days ago, the decibel level is a lot lower at Jets training camp. So everybody was wondering, who would step up and take the trash talk mantle? And this story has taken a very unexpected turn, because as I understand it, there was somebody that was talking trash today at training camp that nobody would have thought capable of being a guy that could have possibly stepped into Jamal Adams' shoes. Yeah, Darnold does that every now and then, though. It's not a he, – he likes to have fun. So he's obviously uh, not, like, getting in somebody's face. Uh, it's it's all playful fun, and every the team loves it when he does that. When he gets a little uh, cocky and he struts about stuff, even if they're going to sit there and argue and say they got him down, uh, he he's going to do that. They They absolutely love it. So – uh, it's all—it's always fun to see uh, Sam get a little spicy. It does happen every once in a while. He'll break it out, but everyone also knows that it's just—he's uh, just playing and having fun. And uh, but that—that's what makes it great. Uh, it, it's very entertaining to see somebody who's normally so buttoned up says all the right things, 
<laughs> and you know, he's not saying anything crazy with it, but uh, it it's just fun to see him just uh, drop the, the, you know, the do everything right. Just have a little bit of fun. Before we get to the injuries and what Adam Gase and the players had to say after practice, let's talk about who the Jets are bringing in for a look-see. Kevin White, the guy who was picked just after Leonard Williams in the 2015 draft, who was, let's be honest here, an absolute bust in Chicago, did absolutely nothing. Both Gase and Douglas were in Chicago, though, when White was there, so there's a familiarity. This, to me, just feels like throwing everything you can up against the wall and hoping something sticks. I mean, it certainly feels like that, but I also certainly understand the need to do that. Um, again, this this wide receiver core, I get it, uh, but it is funny because they are going they they're they're going after my own heart, man. They're going after all, all the trifecta of the draft busts of receivers that I really liked. Like then they they're not getting Laquan Treadwell because I I was I, I wasn't huge on him, but right now they got they went after Dotson. Now he's uh, with uh, opted out. Uh, they had brought Moncrief in the other day, and Kevin White I like more than any of them. So now, to be fair to Kevin White, he had some some injury issues at the start of his career in Chicago, and then there there was a little bit of buzz in uh, training camp last year. He might have been putting it together, and it just did not happen. Um, so there's some injury reasons why it hasn't worked out for him. But you know, there's they're going after. These guys that that I really like coming out, but they they definitely have not lived up to it. And sure, I'm I'm for it. Go ahead, give them workout, see if you think you can bring it. But it, it, I'm certainly not having high expectations or anything there. Injuries, Chris. Where do we stand? All right. So uh, yesterday, Connor McDermott went down with a knee, and uh, he is week to week. Uh, he got an MRI yesterday. It's not as bad as they were thought it might have been. Um, Denzel Mims, still not sure on him with the hamstring. Cameron Clark with the shoulder, still not sure. Still week to week. Pierre Desir with his hamstring, but he's coming along. I, I'd expect him to be probably sometime. Uh, we have off tomorrow and not exactly sure when practice starts again, but within the next couple of practices, I would guess that Desir will be back out there. Bronson Kafusi's still out the hamstring. Poole is still dehydrated. They they they're still taking it slow with him there. Um, Burge, Burge is still low back. Uh, Jamari Zaniga's the quad, and um, uh, Matthias Far- Farley with a hamstring also. So uh, he went out today as long as well as Jordan Willis with a knee. So the, those are the injuries right now. It, it's a long list. It seems to be growing, and it doesn't seem to have a lot of people coming off of it. But uh, I do think within the next uh, three to five practices, a lot of those uh, – two to four, five practices, you're going to see a lot of those names coming off that list. Adam Gase spoke to the media after practice. What did he have to say? Yeah, so he's uh, said a lot uh, about Chris Hogan, uh, about bringing him in. Um, you know, it, obviously Chris Hogan did has done the AFC East tour now. He's been with every team, so he has familiarity with all the other teams. Adam Gates familiarity with him. Um, he mentioned that you know him and Josh uh, Adam Gates and Josh McDaniels too 
run a lot of the same type of concepts and same types of plays. So it's just different terminology that Hogan's going to have to learn and get used to. But he feels he can be a help. And again, with this receiving core right now, at the very least, he can be a big help in training camp. Um, he, he's talked a little bit, gave us some updates with the injury stuff. Again, with uh, Brian Poole, who said they're getting better. They just have him over at the hotel. Uh, but they're just taking it very slow. And it was – he's he said it's like he can't explain it because he's not a doctor, um, which – which I get because there's going to be some technical things or something or he probably gets it explained to him and he's just like, what does this mean? Um, uh, then he, he went on, uh, he was asked a bunch of questions about Marcus May. Uh, he talked about it a lot uh, because Marcus, again, he's obviously not going to be Jamal, but they're going to kind of use him or it seems like they're going to kind of use him in a Jamalish role and where you don't know where he's coming from, where uh, of what he's going to be doing. And uh, he could be playing at any point in the field. He could be blitzing. He could be rushing uh, or going after the running back, covering the flat, uh, the post, anything. And it is interesting, too, because I was, ta- I talked to, I was talking to Charles McDonald from the New York Daily News today, and I asked him because this, this is a – I have – been firmly supplanted as the beat writer uh, who covers the Jets that watches the most tape of uh, teams around the league and college players. Charles watches more tape than I do. Um, he watches a lot more. And so I was like, I asked him if he watched uh, a lot of Seattle defense because McDougal, he said he went back and watched afterwards and Seattle definitely mostly used McDougal and the box but he, he, what he saw in McDougal, he thought that he'd be better suited to be a high safety. And, you know, I, I'll take his word on that. But what I do know is what I've seen with Marcus May, he can definitely do work in the box. So they're going to use him in that type of role. And, and Adam Gates was just absolutely gushing about him, about how smart he is, about the tough task he has of giving Herndon. Because he's really been the only one to stop Herndon at all this camp so far. A lot more talk about using Le'Veon Bell and using him right. Uh, it's the same stuff over and over with that again. Uh, he got some bless on Austin questions, though. And the real thing that he's noticed different in him this year is just his confidence. Uh, he just – he knows everything, and I'll talk more about this in a minute because we'll talk about bless on Austin who talked today. Uh, but he's just so much more comfortable in the playbook. He knows what he's doing. And uh, you could see it out there on the field. So th- those are the main things that he talked about today. Since you brought up the fact that Gase spoke about Chris Hogan, Mr. Hogan spoke today. Please, please tell me, Chris, that he showed up to the podium wearing a red and yellow bandana. <laughs> I'm sorry to disappoint you, Scott, but you had to know it was coming. Ah. <laughs> uh, it was interesting to talk to him, though, because – we got first. We got to ask him a little bit about the process of this whole free agent signing at this point with COVID. He had to go through, you know, get a COVID test and then go quarantine, pass a couple more tests before he's allowed to come into the building and take a physical. Um, so he had to go like show up, take tests, and then just kind of quarantine for a couple of days, take a couple more tests before he has any idea what's going on here. <laughs> um, and now. 
he's getting thrown right into the fire. We, we talk about all these injuries, about how there was this need for this ramp-up period for players. Well, his first day of practice, they're, they're in upper shelves, and, full, and now they're in full pads today. He's getting thrown right in. There's no acclimation period for him. It's just right into it. Uh, he said he feels great. He kept in good shape. His knee, knee feels great and healthy. Um, he, he mentioned, uh, you know, the, again, the similarities between the things that Gase McDaniels does. Um, and then he, the th- thing he talked about that, you know, should be obvious, but also I hadn't really thought of quite like that, is there's, there's no preseason games as soon as the pads come on and practice, these are live game reps for these players. They, uh, it's a little different this year. Uh, these, these are, are this is what they're being judged on. There's no, you know, Bowles always used to say it like, yeah, training camp practice is one thing, but the lights come on. That's when you really know something. And there's not going to be any of that. They're going to have inter squad scrimmage and some do some of that, but. These practice reps are being watched and being graded on film, and that's going to determine uh, if a lot of players make the roster or not. It always plays a little bit of a part in it, but now that's the entire thing. Um, it, you know, it's like in, in, when you're in school, sometimes you have like a certain amount of papers and tests that are worth so much of your grade, and the midterm and finals worth so much. And then you have one class where the finals, basically everything. Well, practice now is basically everything. So every rep in these practices has to be treated as such. And that's the mindset he's coming in with. Finally, Bless Austin spoke to the media. What did he have to say? First, I want to tell uh, to thank him and appreciate him. Uh, I believe it was just yesterday that I was talking about how I need these players to stop saying everything when somebody asks them what they worked on in the off season, bless must have listened to the show and he must have taken that to heart because when he was asked that today, he gave a very specific answer. So I, I would like to spend a special thank you to bless for that. And I'm glad Chris, that we found out now officially that bless Austin listens to the podcast. So, Hey bless. What's up, man? Yes, I mean, that has to be that situation. There is no other explanation (laughs) possible. Um, But he gave a very interesting answer. This is another thing where I'm a a little disappointed that we're not going to – oh, I'm actually a lot disappointed we're not going to have this open locker room this year. But Bless Austin's one of the reasons why. I talked to him a couple times last year. He's a smart dude. He's he's an interesting dude. And he tends – he looks at things a little deeper here and – this wasn't that because he has a very good reason why he did this, but I've never heard a player give this answer to what they worked on improving. He said he, what he worked on, he focused really on understanding situational football. Now, if you remember, there's a, a very valid reason why he did this is because of when he got benched. He got benched in the Pittsburgh game for giving up that touchdown right at the end of the half on the last play of the half, and he didn't really do the math on that and figure out that all they could do is go for the end zone. But I had never heard a, a player say that before. Um, so he really focused on situ- understanding situational football and understanding like this, the schemes of what the offense is going to try to do, not just in the, the obvious moments that he should have uh, known, 
but also just on a second and seven at the Ford at their 40 yard line, as opposed to being on the jet, uh, the jets 13 yard line, learning all those different things. That's really what he focused on uh, learning. So he could try to figure out tendencies and things like that. And then also he really dove into the, the playbook because you know, he said he took advantage of having all this time off at home, really studying the film and really dissecting everything. And he said he took the playbook and he would redraw plays and to the point where not only does he know his role inside and out, but he knows everybody else's role inside and out. And he said, you know, he looks at it like a puzzle and he picks it apart and he puts it back together and really helps him understand things a little bit better. Um, so it was really interesting answers so thank you bless again i appreciate it because i like getting answers like that that i can work with and that aren't just generic answers but like he actually sat there and you could tell he put thought into this stuff and not just like an immediate thought that followed to the next step to the next step uh and that's good that's that's what you want out of especially out of corner cornerbacks cornerbacks have to do so much reading and of of plays and body language so for him to really take that approach is a positive sign the fact that he seems to have taken that in the spirit in which it was intended which was for him to learn from it and be motivated by it and try to become a better player is definitely a positive sign from where i sit so i think that shows a player who's really grown quite a bit at a young age and in an early stage of his career so we'll see what he does with this although chris you said earlier that the corners were doing pretty well with Millette, hairston and austin so that's a positive sign as well chris nimbly the owner operator lead reporter whole shebang over at jetsinsider.com Thanks for coming on as always really appreciate it Tomorrow is an off day so you won't be on with me We'll still have a podcast obviously But it'll be Manish instead He'll be coming on while you regroup Rest a little bit Figure out what to watch next now that your lost rewatch is finished And then get ready for some more training camp In the meantime though If anybody wants to go and read your written observations They're up right now at JetsInsider.com Are they not? Yes they are I, uh, there, I got my three observations up there about uh, feeling feeling some sense of normalcy now that the defense Jets defense is back to dominating Jets training camp practices because that's pretty much always the case uh, as long as I've been covering this team, even when they've had bad defenses. So that, that felt a, a little bit normal. That's up there now. I'm probably going to uh, post something on uh, Marcus May tomorrow. Maybe uh, I'm probably I'm trying to I got a couple other ideas I'm rolling around to try to do tomorrow. Uh, I'm definitely going to lay in bed a couple hours longer. I probably won't be sleeping because I I can't sleep in, but I'm just gonna lay there a couple an an extra hour longer. Um, so I'm gonna enjoy that tomorrow. But I'll have some uh, more content up there for you guys tomorrow. Make sure that you read Chris's very big deal work over at JetsInsider.com. Follow him on Twitter at CNimbly and at JetsInsider. If you haven't given us a five-star review on iTunes yet, if you could go ahead and do that for us, really appreciate it. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we would be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com.